Acuna. Welcome to Expat Hoops, where we talk to basketball players who have played professionally overseas. Steph Kostowicz joins us today, whose career has taken her all around Europe after a career at University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. Tony's on vacation this week, but he wanted to remind you to be interactive with us at Expat Hoops as we continue to grow our pod. Follow and interact with us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and comment on the videos there. Now, if you'll join me in welcoming Steph to Expat Hoops. Welcome, Steph. Thanks for having me. So take us through a little bit of your college career. You graduated from University of uh, Wisconsin-Milwaukee with a BS in nursing while double majoring in psychology. Played a couple sports, broke a couple records, uh, graduated with honors. I mean, how much time, how much spare time did you even have in college? Yeah, no, my college career is something crazy for me to look back on. I have no idea how I balanced everything. Um, I was a two-sport Division One athlete. I played basketball. I was also on the track and field team where I threw shot put and discus in the outdoor season. I actually still hold the school record in shot put. Um, I got my BS in nursing, double major in psychology, took 19 credits both semesters of my senior year. Not because I was forced to, but <laughs> it felt good, so I did it. Um, so yeah, it was it was a wild ride, pretty successful basketball career too, and it led me to be here in Romania. Yeah. I'm sure at some point you wanted to play professionally. That was a goal of yours. But when was it that you actually decided, okay, I'm going to actually do this? And what was the process like for you in terms of finding an agent, finding a first job, that sort of thing? Yeah, I actually playing professionally wasn't really a goal of mine until right up to the end of my career. Um, one of my assistant coaches, Coach Frank Goldberry, uh, he always kept planting the idea in my mind. He never forced me, but he's always like, well, you could travel the world, make money playing a game, stay in great shape. And eventually it just, I wasn't ready to let it go as uh, my career was nearing. So I'm like, well, might as well get the free plane ticket overseas, see what happens. And ended up really enjoying the lifestyle. And here I am. But as for finding an agent, um, my head coach, Kyle Reckless, helped me a lot uh, just with previous players that she had that had agents, just getting me into the system. Interesting. So that was actually kind of nice that you had a, a coach that was just like, okay, this is, yeah. this is where you go. This is, you didn't have to really do a lot to kind of find it out on your own or stumble through it. Yeah. That's really yeah, actually kind of nice. And yeah, actually um, four years into your career now, do you actually have the same agent or have you switched agents at any point in time? No, I actually just switched agents. So I was with the same agent for my first three years and then maybe about August um, I switched. So I'm going to sign with a new one. And what was behind the switch? If you don't mind me asking ready to take on a different route a lot of agents like specialize in different countries or regions and I was in Greece for three years and I was ready for a change and my new agent got me a wonderful opportunity and I'm very thankful for him yeah that's actually one of the things we've heard on the pod before is you know sometimes agents will specialize in like certain now like you said certain countries but certain regions mm -hmm. and that's sometimes how you see certain people pop up in similar countries that they might have yeah. similar agents and things like that. So that, that makes complete sense. Um, you alluded to it now, uh, I think a couple times that you started off in Greece or, well, I guess you, the start of your career was 
split between Greece and Hungary. Take us through your first year overseas. My first year was crazy looking back on it. Um, so I started off in Athenaikos in Athens, Greece, uh, making very little money. Uh, they actually still owe me a couple months salary. I'm sure I'll never see that. But uh, my team ended up imploding maybe in about February of my season, so a couple months left. Uh, my agent at the time found me a job in Hungary. So I finished out my first career in Budapest. So as far as that goes in terms of, you know, that they weren't, weren't paying you and everything like that, I'm sure it made it a little bit easier to just, to just say that basically they were already in breach of their contract. And so that's why you were able to find the other one. It wasn't a situation where like, for instance, they're current and that there was any dispute about it. I'm sure they may not yeah. have liked it uh, given the way that certain teams react, but I, I don't know. What was that actually like when you were in Greece and saying, yeah, I'm going somewhere else. Or did they just kind of, yeah, we know we're not paying you. We get it. A wild ride. Um, my coach quit. Uh, he quit in maybe January. Uh, we are at the bottom of the league. I think we won two or three games at that point. So that team would have dropped to the second division no matter what. So I think everyone was just thrown in the towel. If I would have stayed, I don't think I would have saw that money anyway. So yeah. it was, there was no hard feelings partying for either side. It's just interesting because, you know, certain certain areas or certain whatever, they, they they kind of have expectations of you. But it's this is sort of one of those ones where, it's, like you said, everybody's just kind of throwing in the towel and just like, yeah, we can. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So take us through the, the remaining portion uh, of your first season in Hungary. What was that experience like after what you went through in Greece that first year? Yeah. So by a lot of people's standards, Greece is in a very professional league for women's basketball. Um, it's considered closer to the bottom, but... Um, as far as lifestyle and social aspects, like most of the teams are in Aspen, so you're surrounded by a lot of potential American friends and um, city with amazing history, culture, social life. So it was nice to be there, but getting that chance to go to Budapest was a little bit easier. It's not like I was going to the middle of nowhere, like I was in another capital and uh, I got to still on a pretty lower level team. We were in playoffs, but my job was to basically keep them afloat in the first division and we accomplished that goal. So everyone was happy. So in the end of successful first season, even if it took yeah. a little bit of a meandering route. Yeah. Yeah. It was, we got to where I needed to be. But it's also, I, I, your, your situation is very similar to a lot of other people that do first year that either you didn't get paid very much, you didn't get paid. Um, you actually even had to switch. So, I mean, in some ways it's, I guess, comforting to know that it was somewhat, uh, somewhat of a normal quote unquote experience for somebody yeah. starting off. Yeah. Hopefully since then it's been a little bit more smooth sailing. Yeah, for sure. For, every for the most part. Every year has been getting better. Every year yeah. better. <laughs> well, there we go. Let's, let's pick up the momentum there. Uh, your second year, you go back to Greece, uh, take mm -hmm. us through that second year now actually having kind of lived in the country, uh, and, you know, been through quite a bit for a first season. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I had pretty good stats my first season. I led uh, the Greek League in scoring, went to Hungary, was also really successful. Um, so I was kind of looking for my next move. Uh, was told there was an opportunity back in Athens, and I was excited about that. I had a great first time. It was hard for me to leave um, that new place that I started learning to call home. So, I took, a, took that chance. I went back, got a little bit more money, and 
then COVID hit close to the end of the season. And then that wraps up the second year. <laughs> Very quick then when yeah. you summarize it like that. And yeah. what was your experience like at that point in time? Uh, I know when COVID hit that, you know, it's, it's a little bit different when you're over there and you're kind of seeing things kind of creep into Europe, especially like what, what was going on in Italy. Uh, was it something that you were kind of mindful of or did it just kind of pop up on your consciousness and it's like, that's it, we're done? Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty abrupt ending to our season. It, I mean, we started hearing rumors about COVID just like everyone did in America. Um, it, I would say, I mean, I only have experience in Greece when it comes to COVID, but like the grocery stores weren't running out of toilet paper or anything. There were crazy lines for supplies, but um, it did get dead. A lot of the social life that I went back for uh, wasn't there anymore. And then you have your parents and your family begging you to come home as soon as possible because no one knows what's happening. So, and, just, and in regards to that, did you have any sort of struggle with the team or did the team kind of realize that like, you know, cause I, I know that some of the experiences with some of our other guests that were over there um, that, you know, they were wondering whether they either could get back or when was the right time to leave. And you don't want to leave your team too early and, you know, yeah. or anything like that. So what was your experience like actually when it was about time to think about going back and, and the team saying, fine, okay, yeah, we get it. Yeah. Well, our league canceled, like they came flat out and said, we are, the season is over. We're done. It is what it is. Like wrap it up. And then I decided to stay for maybe a couple of weeks longer. Maybe I was there for about two or three weeks after the season ended. And then my agent called me to let me know that the airport would be closing down two days from now. So I quick packed up all my stuff, got on the last flight out and made it home in time. So at least that was smooth enough then. Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't have any problems in the airport coming home at all. Well, that's really good to hear. So third season uh, also has a little bit of uh, intrigue to it um, as well. Um, So third year, you're back in Greece again, playing for Mm -hmm. Greek powerhouse Olympiakos. Um, Take us through what that season was like and uh, any of the issues that you might have had. Yeah, I was very excited to sign for uh, Olympiakos. I was ecstatic to play for such a well-known and historic club all around Europe is well-known. And um, just to have that like, fan base and people behind you ready to back you at every corner. So I was really excited to play for them. Um, I signed as soon as I got the contract. There was no hesitation. And we went over, started out normally, the rumors swirling like they always do overseas, but nothing behind it. And then all of a sudden our, our season gets shut down. We can't even practice for four months. So that's just the women, not the men. And I mean, was there any period of time that the men were shut down that, and what was the actual description? Okay. So just the women were shut down for four months, just for the heck of it, basically. Yeah. So we got shut down immediately. Um, we couldn't practice. We couldn't play. We couldn't even use the facilities at the gym. And while the, the men's league never stopped playing, never stopped practicing, never blip in the schedule. And what was the supposed reason that you needed to stop? So they never gave us a reason, which, I mean, the reason was COVID, which the country went back into lockdown. The restaurants were shut down, malls were shut down, clubs were shut down. Um, So the reason was COVID, but our male counterparts apparently didn't have that COVID hassle. Um, 
but it was just interesting to see uh, how the Greek government handled it, especially considering they can't use the money argument. There's no fans. Fans aren't allowed. So you know, we're just shot in the foot because we're women at that point. So there, I mean, there's certainly, I'm trying to think about how to put this. Uh, because in America, we've we've had certainly our issues with the level of support for female athletes. I know that at um, you know the last NCAA tournament that it was a you know wide discrepancy between mm-hmm. what the men got and what the women got. Um, but having now traveled overseas, what has been your experience? I guess comparing and contrasting the progress that we need to make as Americans in terms of women's sports, but also comparing and contrasting that with what you've seen so far overseas. Well, it's interesting you say that because there are there's different levels of things we need to improve on. So in America, a lot of what we need to improve on is respect, respecting women's sports and then representing them in the same way. Um, overseas, we have that respect. Like I've never been told by a fan like, oh, you just play women's basketball. Like, you know, like, you're a woman, so it doesn't matter. But it's more the social social justice part of it overseas. Uh, like even in Greece, for example, they're still not as ahead on LGBTQ rights, like gay marriage still isn't legal in Greece. So it's just, it's seeing how far behind in the social aspect, but not in the sport aspect, if that makes sense. Hmm. So it's, it's actually like you actually don't have much of a facility discrepancy overseas as opposed to... Oh, I can't say that. So um, for Olympiacos, if you look up Olympiacos men's basketball, they play in this huge, beautiful right. arena. Um, Peace and Friendship Stadium is absolutely gorgeous. Um, and we actually play in the same building, uh, but it was in a little practice gym on the side. Mm. So, uh, I mean, sure, whatever. Would we sell it up? No, probably not. But the fact that it's three steps over to the left <laughs> doesn't make you feel good. No. Yeah. I'm Devin Sweeney. Check out my interview with Expat Hoops on their YouTube channel and listen and use it Spotify on the By George Podcasting Network. So it's interesting. That was one of the things that I, I was wondering what sort of specifically, because Olympiacos is, a, a like I said, it's a powerhouse earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and we actually have interviewed people that played for the men's side of Olympiacos. So very well aware of what kind of they get in terms of the, you know, the game day experience, but I was curious to see sort of what the differences are um, in terms of, you know, your ability to use like the training facilities and everything like that. Is it virtually the same? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. No. So we don't even get to use the weight room that the men use, even though it's right there. If no one's using it, we can't use it. Uh, there's actually a small, very small, maybe the size of a smaller kitchen weight room that every other team in Olympiacos gets to use. And then there's, the men's weight room. Interesting. And take me through uh, this particular year uh, back at Olympiacos that um, it's now the third time you've been in Greece to varying levels of, uh, you know, experience between the COVID year, you know, your partial year in Greece. Uh, what was it like now? I don't want to say post COVID, but post COVID outbreak, uh, were you able to go around and see more things um, and kind of what was your experience like off the court uh, in your third year now that COVID was kind of, I wouldn't say a way of life, but we're kind of adapting, I guess. Yeah. Well, in Greece, maybe it was different in other countries, but uh, everything started opening up again in May or June. 
So we went back on lockdown in October where you needed um, like your, your paper with where you're going um, and a mask on at all times. Um, so I think you could either go to the pharmacy, the doctor, the bank or the grocery store or to exercise, but you needed a paper for all of those things in case you got stopped. Um, so right when I left is when things started opening back up again. So it really wasn't much to see or do. Hmm. Well, hopefully at some point you got to, to look around Greece, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, probably yeah. year one more than likely, but yeah. Yeah. No, I love Greece. I absolutely loved Athens and I would definitely go back. Yeah. So, um, now you're in year four, uh, and mm -hmm. you're coming to us from Romania. First of all, take us through, um, sort of what the decision was. We alluded to it earlier on that you wanted to explore new opportunities. You got a new agent, why Romania? Um, you know, where were some of the places that you were looking for in terms of your, your switch and why ultimately Romania? Yeah, so I actually wasn't even going to play the season. Uh, I was ready to settle down, get a normal big girl job back home uh, in Milwaukee. And uh, just about in August when I signed with my new agent is when I decided maybe I'll see what's out there. And if a good opportunity comes up, I'll take it. And this one in Romania was a bit too good for me to turn down. It would be more money than I'd be making at home. So why not? And how long have you been over in Romania so far? I've been here a little over a month. A little over a month. And so what have you done to, to get acclimated? I know we were talking a little bit, I think before the pod started that you're about three hours away from the, the international airport. So uh, you're yeah. certainly a little bit more rural, I guess, from the sounds of it. Yeah, so this is the first time I haven't been in a capital in my time overseas. And so take me through what, what your day-to-day -day life is. What's the kind of some of maybe the closest attractions that you might want to check out? <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say there's any close attractions. I've been looking to rent in a car to drive to Budapest, which is three hours away. So, I mean, that's on the to-do list. But otherwise, there's not much to do in Satu Mare. We practice uh, twice a day, almost every day. Uh, game once a week, uh, not not even a Starbucks in my city. <laughs> <laughs> and that shows you how small it is, but um, getting used to it and finding my way around. That's interesting. So um, one of the things we alluded to uh, earlier on was that you are playing in America as well. You've played for the Wisconsin Glow, and actually, I think it's your pinned tweet, actually. As we're sitting down, Twitter is pretty much the only thing that's up because uh, Facebook and yeah. Instagram are down. You have probably one of the best pin tweets I've seen. Uh, I, I really like that one. And we'll, we'll probably retweet it when this comes out. But um, you've experienced some level of success with the Wisconsin Glow. Take me through how long you've played for them, what that experience has been like. And I think you've even gotten to play with some, uh, I think, college teammates on that particular team. Yeah, I've played. The Glow is absolutely amazing. I think if you talk to any one of us that are, are part of that program, you would hear the same thing. But Basically, it's a group of mostly uh, women from Wisconsin, a huge names from Wisconsin that uh, got together. And we play in the Global Women's Basketball Association League, uh, a league that's looking to become sort of like the G League is for the NBA. So the WNBA doesn't have anything like that. So we're looking to kind of make a footprint and put our foot in the door there. But it's just a very fun league. I've won two championships with them. Uh, we didn't get to play uh, in 2020 when COVID hit, but 
we got to play this year and back to back champs. And it, it's absolutely beautiful to be able to play among these great basketball players and even better people. And so how does that fit into your, your, your seasons? I, I know that uh, it can vary from year to year, how much you're overseas, whether it's, you know, eight, 10, you know, months or whatever, but how does that fit into your schedule? Like, you know, you're overseas during kind of the colder months. Um, I'm assuming Wisconsin glow is usually during the, the summer time. Um, mm-hmm. So is it, how much of your time per year is usually taken up with, with actually playing basketball? I mean, not, I'm sure you're playing quite a bit during the year, but in terms of actually playing for teams and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. So the glow uh, last or this past season was from June until August. And then the first year we did it in 2019 was from May to August. So we had a slightly shorter uh, season this season, just because of everything that's going on in the world. But uh, we play on the weekends. There are many times that a lot of us have other stuff going on, whether it's a vacation or we're not back from our overseas job yet, or we need to leave early for our overseas job. But it's just a steady rotation of really great quality basketball players that we get to play with. That's great. And um, so we kind of talked about it, uh, or you mentioned it, that you were thinking about potentially not playing again this year and, you know, a good opportunity came along. Um, I guess, would you say that this potentially would be your last year or what, what would you say that, uh, that it would still be sort of one of those things that you take it year by year and see if the right opportunity comes along in the future? It's funny you say that. Cause I know in my friends hear you ask me that question, they're going to say, she has no idea. So she's been saying it'll be your last year for four years now. <laughs> So we're just playing it by the book now. Uh, we'll see what opportunities come my way. And if I can't turn them down, then I'll be back. But if there, there's other opportunities that I see that will help me go a little further in life, then I'll have to take those instead. So I guess here's the question. What so far in your career has sort of been the pros and the cons of being an overseas basketball player. Obviously we talked about some of the cons earlier, not getting paid, um, <laughs> yeah. but, but in terms of if you're looking forward to doing it, what is sort of the, the things that are, you know, this, this career is not so great, or there, these are some of the things that are great about it. Yeah. So let's start off with the not so great things. Like you sometimes spend eight or nine months without seeing your family. Uh, this will be the second year in a row. I don't get a Christmas break. So not even being able to see my parents or my sisters, grandparents, nieces and nephews. Um, it's hard to see them continuing to live their life. And you're over here sometimes feeling like, you know, standing in the same spot, not really going anywhere, not really elevating, not really making a difference in the world. That's how I feel sometimes, especially being a registered nurse and seeing what's happening in the world the impact I could be making on people that need me kind of makes you feel the type of way knowing that you're not doing everything you could be doing. Hmm. But the pros to keep playing, um, I mean, it's, it's a lifestyle that uh, obviously isn't meant for everyone, but it, you can go pre- get pretty attached to it. So um, I would say that I've really learned to like this lifestyle, to enjoy the independence and um, enjoying having a full focus and but it does get hard obviously mentally when you have that sole focus if that sole focus isn't going your way and that's your performance on the basketball court you can feel like your whole world is crashing down around you but if you have the right people around you the right teammates the right environment 
That was Steph Kostowitz, another of a couple of Wisconsin-Milwaukee players that we've interviewed on the podcast. A reminder to subscribe to our YouTube channel for extra content you won't find anywhere else, and to follow us on Twitter and Facebook and IG for all of our latest. And toss us some money on our Patreon if you like what you hear. For Andy Hoverman, I'm Tony Budney. Tune in next time on Expat Hoops.